In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Since the beginning of Christianity, there have been several spiritual disciplines that Christians have practiced as a means of growing closer to the love and knowledge of God. Some of those disciplines include coming together for things like this, this liturgy, this Holy Communion and Eucharist. Others include setting aside a time each day, perhaps 20 minutes or so, for reading Scripture and reflecting. We have a rather structured form that we call the daily office, which includes morning prayer, evening prayer, and some people even say noonday prayers and compline before they retire to bread, to bed. There are some disciplines or practices that are quite involved, like making a pilgrimage or going on a silent retreat. In some churches, there are people who bake the bread that is used for the Eucharist. But the bread isn't just kneaded and thrown into the oven. Rather, prayers are said while kneading and baking this bread. And those prayers are said for the congregation, for those who would be participating in the Eucharist, for the ill and infirmed, and for all the concerns that trouble the parish, as well as all the joys and events that bring thanksgiving to our hearts. These prayers are literally baked into the bread used for communion. But whatever the discipline is, it is rooted and grounded in what is perhaps the chief of all Christian practices, and that is prayer. Prayer is at the heart of what a Christian should do and should be doing all the time. For example, our liturgy from the opening hymn until the dismissal is one long prayer. And included in this prayer are readings. And then there is this, the sermon to guide your thoughts as how to better serve our Lord, our blessed Lord. To intentional intercessory prayers for the church, for the world, for those that are close to us, and even thanksgivings, which is what the word Eucharist means. And we sometimes say that, we, that it is the great thanksgiving where we offer as a response to all the love and mercy that our Lord God has shown us, the only sacrifice that we can. We offer ourselves, our souls, and bodies. But what exactly is prayer? And I think that's where we begin to fall short and lose our way because we sometimes simply don't understand what prayer is. We think of it as some metaphysical thing or some transcendental state that can only be achieved by few. And we misunderstand that prayer is at its most simple, 
is us being in relationship with God. And at its most complex, it is a continuing state of being or a way of life. We get bogged down with many questions or terminologies or the methods of prayer. And sometimes we forget to actually be in prayer. It would be like learning the game of chess. It has different pieces, and some of those pieces move in different ways. And rather than enjoying the game, rather than sitting across the board and playing, you worry about how the knight is supposed to move, and since you don't fully understand, you never play. So, if at the most basic level we say that prayer is us being in relationship with God, or perhaps the word communion is better, then what do we do? How do we strengthen our relationship with God? Well, we spend time with God. We set aside moments in our day, both planned and unplanned, to spend a little time with God who loves us very much. Think about spending time with your closest friend, a quick call, a text message or email that says, I'm thinking about you, a lunch date for next week, a trip that needs to be planned. And we could go on and on, but the point is there is a connection. There is a relationship. And through spending time, you learn more and more about each other. And even sometimes, you can spend hours together and never say a word. But you know that the relationship is there and that it is whole and intact as opposed to someone whom you don't know at all. There is no connection, no relationship, and no point of entry for a relationship until someone begins a conversation, or there's a transaction, or two people are put into a situation where they must interact with each other. And in a way, that is how prayer starts. God is constantly seeking to have a relationship with us. We simply must open the door or respond back or approach the Lord ourselves and say, here I am. But we mustn't get bogged down on what to say or how to say it or think that we must learn some clever words and phrases. Yes, there are different forms of prayer like adoration, intercession, supplication, confession, thanksgiving, even quiet meditation. 
And we do these many times without compartmentalizing them. We move into prayer based on what is happening. Lord, help Jennifer through this situation. And there, that was an intercession. God, get me through this job review. And we have just made a supplication. See, prayer should be a natural conversation with God. Just as if you and me might have an unforced conversation after this liturgy about a whole host of topics. In the epistle of James, we have this section that discusses prayer. And what James is saying is that in every conceivable circumstance and situation, prayer, both as individuals and as the corporate body of the church, is essential. Let's follow his thoughts for a few moments. Is anyone suffering? Then pray. James is not meaning suffering as an illness, but suffering in terms of the long and painful circumstances that we must endure for a season. The bankruptcy you're going through. The divorce that is pending. The home that has been destroyed by fire. Or the vehicle that was wrecked and insurance won't cover the price of a new car. Pray without ceasing. Why, you might ask? Well, it isn't just so you feel better. But rather, it's because through prayer comes the wisdom and the strength needed to endure these long and difficult days. But what about the people who are joyful, who are cheerful? Pray. But these prayers are different. These are prayers of joy from the heart. They are songs. They are also the quiet joy that we feel that sometimes wells up in our souls. And we sing and we make glad songs because we know that God is faithful and we have seen it. And also because done properly, these songs are beacons of hope to those who are suffering and are despondent. And sick, what about them? Well, for starters, look at who is to pray for them. It's the vestry and the priest and those who are elders as in long-standing Christians who are to pray for them. Because sometimes it is very difficult to pray for ourselves. And we need others to pray for us, to almost say our prayers for us. And we hold those people up who are weak and failing in strength 
But it isn't just the aged. No, it's the person battling cancer. It might be the person who is drug addicted or someone who has checked themselves into a rehab clinic because alcohol has destroyed their lives. It might be the people who no longer can pray because of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. It might be that we need to pray for the person who will forever bear the scars of an attempted suicide. We as the church are duty bound to pray for all of these people and on their behalf. But some of you may say, what do I say? Or when asked to lead a community or friends in prayer, you might shirk away and mumble something about how uncomfortable it makes you feel. Be at ease, my friend. For starters, the Lord Jesus Christ himself gave us a model. And we say it at every liturgy, the Lord's Prayer. And if you can't find the words, but you know you need to pray, there is a collection of prayers. We call them the Psalms, and they're in your Bible. We, as Episcopalians, have a book, the Book of Common Prayer, prayers for you to use in almost any circumstance you find yourself. And these are guides for you until you can learn to pray, learn to have a conversation with God yourself. But I must confess, some of these prayers are so moving, and they sometimes bring a tear to my eye, and sometimes they say what I want to say, but they say it better than I can. But prayer must be daily if we are going to grow as Christians, and daily prayers for this parish, for me your priest, and even for this diocese, are needed. We cannot do one thing. We cannot accomplish any act for the kingdom of God unless we ground and root it in prayer. Pray daily for your needs, my needs, the needs of this parish, the needs of this world at some point in our lives as Christians must become not just the five minutes we set aside, but must become a way of life, a state of being that we are constantly in. I know from my own personal experiences that if I am not saying my daily prayers, that if I decide that I am too busy to pray right now, or I ignore the times that I have set aside for prayer, then eventually I am off 
I'm off spiritually. I'm off mentally. I'm off physically. I start to eat too much, or I stay up too late, or I feel rushed and anxious, or I become angry and spiteful. And it's because I'm not practicing the discipline of prayer. Now, not to sound like I'm judging others, but I do think that this is one of the largest problems facing the church. Christians have forgotten how to pray. And as a result, we fight and we bicker and we cease to make the Lord and our Savior the priority of our lives. And as a result, we have churches that have shrunk. We have the collapse of faith formation. And we have lost our zeal and passion in some places for doing the work of Christ in the world. We, here at St. Christopher's, talk about growing this parish and what programs or speakers or music or what the liturgy should look like. But it will not matter. None of it will work. None of it will bring the broken world into this place until we as a parish become intentional about prayer. So start now. Like right now. See this liturgy as the prayer it is and let it shape you. Set up times each day to pause and pray. Be intentional about giving thanks for the food you eat, the friends you have, and be open to praying for anyone who asks for it and when they ask. I have heard people say, well, I just don't have time to pray or to study the scriptures. Frankly, you don't have the time not to. It would be like saying that you don't have time to fill your car with gasoline because you have to travel to Chicago. You'll never make it. Rather than spending hours binge-watching some shows on television or hours watching really just another football game or even hours each day in some sort of ennui-driven sloth, use a few minutes. Take a few moments even to begin to set your prayer life in order or to keep it in check so that you don't become complacent in it. So, today, when you get home, think intentionally about your prayer life and what you should do to make it more rich and full. Call me. Email me if you have questions or are stuck.
commit to it. Commit and tell me or a close friend so that we can help keep you accountable. And start small if this is new for you. Spend five minutes in the Psalms or reading one chapter from the Gospels. If you need words to guide you and you don't have a prayer book, take the one you're using today. We can always buy more. And thumb through every page, finding prayers that speak and move you until you develop your own prayer language. But above all, pray without ceasing and learn to make your prayers and the prayers of this church into a constant life-giving and life-sustaining 